More decoupling from China on Wall Street. A prominent American venture capital firm is planning to separate its business from the country. At the same time, it's using money raised from American pension funds to invest in Chinese AI and microchip companies. What role are U.S. politicians playing in the shift? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. American venture capital firm GGV Capital is backing off from China. That's as political pressure mounts on American companies to limit investments in Chinese technology. Let's dive in. GGV Capital plans to split its business into two, with one half focused on Asia and the other on the United States. GGV's move follows a similar one by Sequoia Capital, which is splitting its business in China from operations in other Asian countries. Economic and geopolitical tensions in the area have created a harsh investment climate in the world's second-largest economy. The firm was put under review by a U.S. congressional committee this year over funding it sent to Chinese technology companies. GGV Capital manages around $9 billion in assets including some American pension money. It invests that money globally, including in dozens of Chinese companies such as shopping giant Alibaba and TikTok's parent company ByteDance. A new step toward countering China. The U.S. is finishing one last step before handing out almost $40 billion in subsidies to semiconductor makers. The money comes with one goal in mind, boosting microchip production on home turf. The final stretch is all about how the money should be spent. It comes with restrictions, aiming to block countries like China and Russia from getting their hands on U.S. government funding. And so we have to be absolutely vigilant that not a penny of this helps China to get ahead of us. Experts say control over the latest chip technology could mean the difference between winning and losing future wars. Well, really, semiconductors represent the single most fundamentally important product in the modern digital global economy. Uh, semiconductors uh, drive everything from our cars to our computers and phones to uh, the entire panoply of weapon systems that drives a country's national security. That's why chips are at the heart of U.S.-China competition. The U.S. leads in chip design but lacks the ability to make them on home soil. America imports over 90 percent of its advanced chips from Taiwan, an island under the threat of war with China. I feel the pressure. We are behind. But it, it is more important that we get it right. What are the new rules terms as related to China? First off, those who get the subsidies can't spend the money to improve manufacturing in countries like China for 10 years. They're also banned from doing joint research with China and licensing technology with Chinese entities. If the companies violate the rule, the Commerce Department can't take back the money. Decouple from Communist China. Vivek Ramaswamy said the statement will become his foreign policy towards China if he becomes the next U.S. president. A clear and pragmatic vision for how we will actually finally, at long last, declare economic independence from China while actually advancing American prosperity here at home. He made the remark Thursday in his home state of Ohio. In it, he expanded on four aspects of decoupling from China, including climate, semiconductor supply chains, the defense industry, and pharmaceutical manufacturing. Ramaswamy referred to China as the enemy of the U.S.
One day earlier, in an interview with Fox News, he said this about Taiwan. I am the only candidate in either party who has been clear. We will defend Taiwan, at least until we get semiconductor independence, at which point we resume the current posture of strategic ambiguity towards that island. Asked about how his Taiwan policy will change after the U.S. achieves semiconductor independence, he said he would suggest a return to the current strategic ambiguity policy, but with more commitment to defending the island. Following former President Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Ramaswamy has an estimated 8% based on current polls. He's the third most supported Republican presidential candidate. Another powerful quote is making the rounds. China is preparing for war, according to Trump's former security advisor. That's what he wrote in an op-ed for British newspaper The Telegraph this week, adding that the UK, one of Washington's closest allies, is blind to China's plan. He further hinted at why the West might be turning a blind eye, fear of agitating China's communist authorities. He says the attitude will ensure defeat. There is a bipartisan consensus about Beijing's threat to the West. The rare cross-party agreement is highlighted by a statement from Frank Kendall, the Secretary of the Air Force. He said last week that the intelligence couldn't be clearer. China is preparing for a war, and specifically for a war with the United States. Worth noting, Kendall is not a China hawk. He served as Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition, Technology and Logistics under the Obama administration. An update on relations between the world's top superpowers. Economic dialogue between the U.S. and China has resumed for the first time since 2018. That was the year former President Trump imposed tariffs on billions of dollars worth of Chinese imports. The U.S. Treasury Department on Friday announced two new working groups aimed at exchanging economic and financial policies with communist China. The two groups will meet on a regular basis. And all discussions will be reported directly back to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and her Chinese counterpart. Creation of the new forums comes after Yellen's trip to Beijing in July, where she sought to bring back economic talks with the regime after years of derailed relations. Beijing is eyeing better relations with a certain oil-rich nation. The president of Syria joined his Chinese counterpart for talks. Here's a look at what they discussed. Chinese leader Xi Jinping just met his Syrian counterpart Bashar al-Assad for the first time after nearly two decades in the eastern coastal city of Hangzhou on Friday. Assad sought support from his main backer, Beijing. During the meetings, she agreed to help boost Syria's economy. China has been expanding its influence in West Asia, Iran, and Saudi Arabia as well. As for Syria, the country sits on rich oil and natural gas resources. What drove Assad to ask for Beijing's help? Since 2011, Western sanctions have left Syria diplomatically isolated. Back then, the U.S. accused the regime of clamping down on protesters and of using chemical weapons. Reports described many casualties and millions displaced. To oppose the human rights abuses, U.S. sanctions targeted Syria's government and its supporters, banning almost all exports and barring the nation from accessing U.S. technology. Now, Beijing is voicing plans for closer ties to Syria than ever before. Chinese leader Xi Jinping says the two will firmly support each other. 
An unusual move from a diplomat. The U.S. ambassador to Japan is accusing China of economic coercion. Ram Emanuel also recently mocked the mysterious disappearance of Beijing's former defense minister, a remark that angered China. Here's what he said. And make no doubt about it, economic coercion by China is the most persistent and pernicious tool in their economic toolbox. Emmanuel said in his Friday speech that the coercion he mentioned was happening in countries like Japan, Australia, South Korea, and Lithuania. He posted what he described as an example of it on social media, sharing four pictures of Chinese fishing boats in waters near Japan. Japan began releasing radioactive water from its Fukushima nuclear plant into the ocean last month. It's a process deemed compliant with international nuclear safety standards. China strongly opposes the decision and imposed a ban on Chinese seafood imports over it. Emmanuel pointed out that the Chinese fishing boats were spotted in the same region where the treated wastewater gets released. After his Friday speech, Emmanuel questioned the whereabouts of China's defense minister. Three and a half weeks later, you and I are all standing here. And you can't tell me where the defense minister is. Previously, Emmanuel had raised this question on social media and asked whether the minister was under house arrest. He mocked the Chinese official's disappearance to resemble an Agatha Christie novel called And Then There Were None. China has urged the ambassador to stop supporting Japan's behavior, which it calls irresponsible. White House Indo-Pacific Coordinator Kurt Campbell described Emmanuel as an effective U.S. representative serving with distinction. The Asian Games kicks off this weekend, but three Indian athletes won't be able to make it. India's foreign ministry says Beijing invalidated visas for the sports stars. The three martial artists are from a northeastern state of India. New Delhi says they were issued stapled visas instead of stamped ones. And India doesn't consider the stapled version valid. The step taken by China is illegal and unethical. According to the Olympic Charter, no athlete can be discriminated and stopped from participating because of political reasons. The practice of issuing visas on loose sheets of paper has been seen as China's way of questioning India's sovereignty over their disputed border regions. The state in question sits near the border between China and India. Beijing says it's part of southern Tibet. New Delhi strongly maintains it has always been part of India. China also upped tensions earlier this year by giving Chinese names to 11 locations in the region. According to the Olympic Council Chairman of Asia's Ethics Committee, China did not refuse entry to the athletes. Though Beijing's foreign ministry stated it doesn't recognize the state by its Indian name. India's sports minister canceled his visit to the Games in protest. The Asian Games features over 12,000 athletes from 45 countries competing in 40 different sports. A new step to diversify supply chains, a Vietnamese electric vehicle maker says it's going to ship its first EVs to Europe this year. At the same time, the European Union is weighing whether to slap tariffs on Chinese-made vehicles. That's to counteract subsidies from Chinese authorities. Among the cars affected, Tesla's Model Y. The Vietnamese company, called VinFast, is set to deliver about 3,000 electric crossovers to France, Germany and the Netherlands. That's what the company's CEO told Reuters Thursday. 
Despite the move, Chinese rivals still take a much bigger slice of the pie. In the first seven months of this year, almost 70,000 EVs have been shipped from China to Europe. And in June, China unveiled tax breaks for tens of billions of dollars worth of EVs and other green cars. Foreign brands like Tesla, Renault and BMW also reap the benefits. Beijing's incentives make cars more competitive and aim to boost sales. Chinese-made EVs and the China-made Tesla Model Y starts at about $50,000. In comparison, the Vietnamese company's version will start at about $54,000. A German resident is appealing to politicians across the world to free his father. He was arrested in China for practicing Falun Gong, a spiritual discipline rooted in Buddhist traditions. Practitioners are still persecuted in China for their faith and evidence shows their targets for forced organ harvesting. NTD's Jane Wirrell has more. A plea to free his parents. Lerben Ding, a resident in Germany, is doing everything he can to help his parents from outside his homeland, China. Because of the one child policy by the Chinese Communist Party, I'm the only child in my family. And uh, my parents will be older and older, so they need me. Uh, this is... Uh, one request to the Chinese embassy, it must stop the persecution of my parents immediately and release my father immediately and unconditionally and grant them travel documents. Let them come to Germany. His parents were detained in May this year as part of a mass arrest campaign in Shandong province. International pressure led to the release of his mother on bail, but she is still under surveillance. His father remains in custody. We spoke at a peaceful protest in Paris where thousands of practitioners of Falun Gong walked through the streets, celebrating Falun Gong's values of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance, and calling for the end to the persecution in China. The first 12 days, nobody knows where were my parents, but they are good people, they are peaceful Falun Gong practitioners, they have done nothing against Chinese law. They were just disappeared. A former French Secretary of State for Education showed her support. Politicians in Europe and local officials in Japan have sent letters to those responsible. Lerben continues to plea for his parents' freedom. Jane Wirrell, NTD News. Coming up, Chinese infiltration in America's backyard, one of the seven wonders of the world, the Panama Canal may be falling into the hands of the communist regime. We spoke with John Mills, retired army colonel and former director for cybersecurity at the Defense Department, about why that could be a fatal blow for the U.S. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's influence is rising worldwide, and it's even closer than you might think. One spot the communist regime seems to have an eye on is the Panama Canal, one of the most important waterways in the world. What would happen if the Chinese regime gained full control of it? And what harm could that mean for the U.S.? We spoke with John Mills, retired Army colonel and former director for cybersecurity of the Defense Department, for his take. John Mills, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Tiffany, thank you. Always an honor to be on your show. And John, you're actually on the ground at the Panama Canal investigating Chinese influence operations. Tell us what you've found so far. 
Oh, yeah, right behind me is the Mont Blanc, a uh, super Panamax ship. Um, you notice that the front and the back are actually missing containers. That's a function of the water shortage here in, uh, in the canal. The canal depends on fresh water to operate, and the challenge is there's a lot of Chinese influence money in, in critical infrastructure projects beyond the Panama Canal on bridges, on uh, light rail, on highways. Uh, the Americans have been very effective at blocking it. The dollar is the U.S. The U.S. The U.S. currency is the currency down here, which is a lot of the reason for the U.S. ability to block it. But what would be really appreciated by the people of Panama is alternatives to Chinese infrastructure companies coming in here. John, since 2017, when China established ties with Panama, they've been pouring a lot of resources in, whether militarily, politically, or even commercially. What's China's interest there? Well, uh, China wants to replace America. Uh, as part of the handover process, there is no stipulation that America evaporate or disappear from Panama or Central America. This is America's front yard. Uh, China, or excuse me, America has unfortunately, uh, through a number of administrations, uh, somehow had the misunderstanding they were supposed to disappear. So I think we need a new American presence here. American uh, infrastructure companies should be coming here and bidding for the work uh, in lieu of the Chinese uh, infrastructure companies. That's part of the challenge. There's Chinese infrastructure companies. It's not just the canal. It's bridges. It's roads. It's light rail. Panamanians are, for the most part, very, very strongly pro-U.S., uh, but us being uh, Americans being uh, invisible is not a good thing, and China takes advantage of that. And John, to your point, the Panama Canal cost the U.S. about $375 million. It was seen as one of the modern wonders of the world, helping to propel the U.S. into a world power. What is at stake here for the U.S.? Well, first, militarily, uh, uh, America needs the Panama Canal to rapidly move naval forces in case of conflict in the Western Pacific. This is vital. We don't have this canal. That's half the U.S. Navy off the table. Uh, second is the economy. We need, we need the Panama Canal for the American economy. It's vital. Third, this is, uh, this is right in our front yard. Uh, we should be asserting American interests here in a friendly partnership, a strategic partnership with Panama and the Panamanian citizens. It provides stability for the region. Uh, these are Chinese uh, Belt and Road influence activities. Now, oftentimes, uh, China does not live up to its end of the bargain, and they'll sign a contract with uh, Panama, and then China fails to follow through on many of the payments, many of the promises, many of the stipulations of the contract. And John, we can see this shipping container behind you, and reports are saying that a drought in that area is actually threatening global supply chains. So give us a sense of the importance of this canal, not just to the U.S. or China, but the world. Oh, right. The water situation is vital. It's being portrayed as a climate issue. It is not a climate issue. It's, it's a civil engineering issue. And here's a perfect opportunity for America to come in in a strategic partnership with Panama and the Panamanian citizen. And uh, they've done a wonderful job of improving the canal. But the water management issue is something that needs attention and needs attention fast. And on that note, what are some steps the U.S. could take right now to help improve the situation? 
Well, I think uh, the American government should encourage uh, some of the American big players, such as Bechtel, Parsons, AECOM, to uh, show up and show an interest and get involved down here immediately while longer-term solutions are being worked. And in terms of the Panama Canal zooming out to geopolitics, how does this fit into the U.S.-China relations, especially going forward? This is one of the strategic choke points that China absolutely wants to uh, wants to uh, get involved in and uh, control in their in their con in their strategic showdown with America. So this is something they absolutely want to do and control. Indeed, and with all the areas covered, any final thoughts? Well, I think step one is America needs to show back up in Panama and show an interest. Indeed. John Mills, thank you so much for your time. Tiffany, thank you. Always an honor to be on your show. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.